at Mitchell and Webb Sound, starring David Mitchell and Robert Webb with Olivia Coleman and James Bartman. And now, before the first sketch, we'd like to introduce you to a new interactive service offered by the BBC, the Radio 4 Sommelier. Thank you. Well, with this first sketch, I'm recommending a light, crisp white wine just to start the evening off. So perhaps an Alberino from northern Spain or an Argentinian Torontes. Uh, but if you're feeling like pushing the boat out, why not choose my favourite, the Puy Fuisse Terre de Pierre, which, with its terrific minerality and fruit intensity, will certainly make the sketch seem funnier. Battersea Dogs and Cats Home, good morning. Morning. Now, I'd like to inquire about keeping a cat. Right, yes. Is that good? Is what good? Keeping a cat. Is keeping a cat good? Well, yes, it sort of depends on the person. Does it? I mean, are you a cat person? No, I'm a normal person. Well, <laughs> do you like cats? I don't know. What are they like? Have you ever seen one? Of course I've seen one, but I've never been introduced. I've never met one. I've never lived with one. But people do, don't they? So I felt I should consider it. What's it like to have a cat? Well, you know what it's like now? Well, more or less. Well, it's like that, but there's a cat there. Sometimes. <laughs> I can't really imagine that. Well, I don't know how else to put it. Well, where I am now, there's a sofa and a table and a TV and, and various knick-knacks. So, so there'd be a cat as well, would there? Very much so, yes. But of course, unlike those other things, the cat would move. Constantly or intermittently? Intermittently. That sounds doable. And for how long? Anywhere between no time at all and about 20 years. Well, that's quite the margin of error. I can tell you don't work in textiles like me. How? Well, because when I rang up Battersea Dogs Home, you answered the phone. Oh, yes. So I deduced you work there. Now, uh, back to keeping a cat. You've piqued my interest, but at the same time, I'm worried my interest has piqued. Oh, dear. So the key question is, what's the point? Ooh, I've never really thought of it in such bald terms. Are we on Skype? No, why? Well, how can you tell that... Nothing. What's the point in keeping a cat? Well, the point is, I suppose, to keep the cat alive. Will the cat not remain alive automatically? No. Interesting. And how long shall I keep the cat alive for? Well, as long as possible. Forever, ideally. Ooh, well, I, I suppose. Should I keep it alive forever? Try, try and keep it alive forever, I suppose. You make it sound like that's unlikely to happen. Well, no previous cat has lived forever. Yes, I think if I'd thought about it, I knew that. Yes. So the aim of the game... It's not really a game. Apologies. The point in the exercise is unattainable. Yes. Like artistic perfection, we humans strive for cat immortality, but no, it will never be achieved. Yes. The thing to remember is that it's quite a responsibility. They can get all sorts of illnesses. Cat AIDS, cat flu, cat Alzheimer's. Cat Alzheimer's? Really? Oh, yes. Does that really make any difference? What, what have I come upstairs for? I've forgotten. But actually, it doesn't matter because the answer was no reason at all. I'm a cat. What I'm saying is, keeping a cat alive is not as easy as it sounds. It gets harder and harder as the cat gets older and older. Lots of people, worse players, just the moment it gets tricky, they give up. They say it's kinder. Than what? Not killing a cat. Well, after all this back and forth... I've decided I will get a cat. That's tremendous. How big? Well, I've got six people coming for dinner, but one of them's vegan. This way, sir. Olga will take your bags. Olga! Ah, thank you, good innkeeper, but I do not intend to stay the night. You are here for the open mic? Ah, uh, no. 
Nobody comes for the open mind. I merely seek some refreshment while awaiting the Count's coach to take me to the castle. The castle, sir? Yes, Castle Dracula. <gasps> no, sir, I beg you, you must not go. <laughs> Why on earth not? Count Dracula is surely just a normal person, is he not? No, Count Dracula is a vampire. And what's that? You mean, sir, you don't know your vampire lore? Lore? With an R? No. <laughs> he is the undead. Oh, well, that's all right, then. No, sir, undead. Exactly. They feed off the blood of the living. My word. And they sleep in coffins during the day. What curious beasts these vampires be. And they cast no shadow. Ah, oh, more. And you can only kill one... Let me get a pen. ...with a wooden stake through the heart and... A wooden stake? ...with running water and... Right, so... And you may ward the vampire off with a crucifix. A crucifix? A little Jesus. So they fear the image of Christ. And garlic. What? And mirrors. Uh-huh. And they can enter your house only if invited and... So, sorry, is there much more? Of the law. Of the law. Yes, and... And? He casts no shadow oh, and... you've done that. Yeah, he can turn into a bat... What? ...and a wolf and... I've stopped writing. ...and a mist. Mm, so he can take any shape? No, only those three things and... And the end, goodbye. What? No, and... May I have my bags, please? You fool, I have not yet told you the most important vampire thing and... He has sausages instead of legs? No, and... He goes two-dimensional near ginger? No, and... Stairs make him deaf? No, and... If you show him a picture of a bus, his knees fall off. No, and... If you turn him upside down, he goes... Yes. Goodbye. Okay. Now, this next sketch has a bit of a satirical point to it, so we're switching to red, but uh, looking for something medium-bodied to help bring out the middle-of-the-road liberal message. Perhaps the Ursa Mayor Rioja Reserva 2005, or, for even more intense fruit, try the 2010 Tour de Belfort. And, and please remember, if you're driving, you really should pull over, just to, just to open the red wines. Uh, otherwise, you'll disturb the sediment, which I always think is a real crime. So just pour it gently into a good-sized claret glass, take a moment to enjoy the nose, then it's into the cup holder and you're good to go. <laughs> Cheers. Hello and welcome to Man's Hour on Radio 4. Now, I know, I know this has been tried before, but this time we really think we've got it right. So, Chris. Yeah. You're a man. Yeah. Have you seen any films lately? I have, actually, yeah. Right, and were those films of interest to men? Yeah, they were. Which ones? Uh, all of them, really. All of them? Yeah. Right. It's happening again. OK, <laughs> let's, um, let's talk about testicular cancer. Chris, have you got testicular cancer? No. Right. Have you ever thought you might have testicular cancer? Yeah, I have, actually. Really? Yeah. Brilliant. What happened? Oh, it's fine. Oh, but, I mean, what? tell us more. Well, I found a very small lump on one of my testicles. I went to the GP, she had a look. She said it was probably just a cyst, but she sent me for an ultrasound just to make sure. So I had that, and she was right, it was just a cyst. And they said it would go away on its own, and then it did. Right. <laughs> what a story. And, and how did you feel while all this was going on? I, I was scared, Nick, to be honest with you. Excellent. You were scared. This is... Right. What, what were you scared of, Chris? <laughs> well, I, I was scared I, I might have testicular cancer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Granted, but, but what were your particular fears? What? Oh, come on. You, you must have had particular fears and feelings that you'd like to share now with the people listening, with the men listening. They're, they're not all at work. Do the, do, the, do the talk. Talk it. Talk it. Talk like a woman. Um, 
Well, I don't know. I was trying not to think about it. Well, of course you were trying not to think about it. You've been sane to think about it. But I'm trying to get you to share your fears while... Uh, all right, all right. I, I, was, um, I was afraid my testicles might drop off. No, you weren't. I was. I was afraid they might drop off. How, how do you no, know? No, no, you're just being... How do you know what I was scared of? No, you're just of? being silly now. They don't... I'm, I'm not. I, I they was don't, genuinely... They don't drop off, Chris. That is ridiculous. They, they might lop them off. The doctors might have to lop them off, but they don't just... Oh, that's nice. What? It's true. That's nice for the people listening who might... Men, the men listening, they're not all at work, Chris. For, for, for the men listening who, who think they might have testicular cancer, talking about lopping their balls off. Well, they off might and... have to. That's life, isn't it? It's better than being dead. There's no point crying about it, is there? No point getting emotional about cancer. That's not going to bring my old man back, is it? No point getting emotional about it. You've been listening to Man's Hour on Radio 4. <laughs> We'll try again another time. Oh, you're down here, darling. Are you all right? Oh, hi. Yeah, I couldn't sleep, so I thought I'd come down and watch one of our old videos. Oh, a video of us? No, Last Action Hero. <laughs> I, I was watching Last Action Hero. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, kid gets a ticket from Houdini and magically enters a movie. And nobody liked it, but I always... Well, there's the bit where Charles Dance goes, I must warn you that these dogs are highly trained, and then they form a pyramid. Oh. Yeah, I'd, I'd always been quite fond of it, and I thought, yeah, I haven't seen Last Action Hero in a while. Bung in Last Action Hero, and... Uh... No, well, I'll leave you to it, then. No, don't go. Derek... You're not all right? No. What's the matter? It's, it's difficult to explain. I, I, so I'm watching Last Action Hero again, seeing how it stands up, and it's fine, but it turns out not great. I mean, it's a bit weird, and it's really a kid's film, so I stop. I stop watching Last Action Hero. Go on. And I'm about to eject the tape, you know, put it back in the case, and then I realise that's it. That's what? That's the last time I'll ever see Last Action Hero. I am never going to watch Last Action Hero again. That's it. Why not? Well, because I won't want to. Well, th then what's the problem? No, Fiona, you don't understand. It, it's over. Something's over. For the first time, I've realised something will never happen. The once infinite possibilities promised by the simple fact of being alive and having a future are now infinite minus one. I thought watching Last Action Hero would always be an option, but it's off the table. The, the choices are slipping away. But Darling, it's, it's still on the table. You can still watch Last Action Hero if you choose but, to. But I don't. I, I was watching it just now and I stopped because I know all the good bits off by heart and because I've seen it nine times and it's not that great a film and, and they keep making more. I, I mean, I can't do everything. Suddenly my life seems so pitilessly finite. I have to start to start. Oh, my God. I mean, I've even got it on bloody tape staring at me, taking up room, reminding me that of the two events, me dying and me watching Last Action Hero yet again, the thing that will happen first is me dying. I need... I need... You just need closure. Yes. You need to say goodbye. Yes, but how? Derek, go to the bureau. A Radio Times from 1996. That 1996 Christmas edition of the Radio Times was given to me by Ali Bongo. Now, I don't know the full extent of its power, but go to movies. Last Action Hero. Circle it. You don't think... Where? Get out of the way, kid! Stop! Oh, my God, it worked! I'm in the movie! What are you talking about? Kid, who are you? Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm 38 and my name's Derek, and I'm here to say goodbye. What goodbye? We never met. Doc! 
goodbye to this movie. All this is a movie, and I've decided I'm never going to watch it again, but I just wanted to say I did once enjoy it very much, and goodbye. Derek, listen to me. The movies don't care. You think I care about movies? I finish a movie, I go and do another movie. They will always be movies. You're right, Arnie. Of course you're right. Thank you. No problem. Anyway, you want me to drop you off? Actually, while I'm here, I don't suppose we could swing by Sister Act. Hold tight, kid! So, to conclude, uh, I lost my job, my wife took my kids away, I lost the house, had to turn to male prostitution, all because of the heroin. I really need help. Well, you've come to the right place. Now, there's a lot to consider here. Lots of ideas and approaches, but um, basically, have you thought about not taking heroin? <laughs> what? Be- because uh, lo- looking through your case notes, um, it seems that most, uh, if not all, of your problems, losing your job, your family, your home, having to have sex with men for money, they're, they're all as a direct result of, of taking heroin. Yes, yes, they are. So that the way I see it, if, if you didn't take heroin, you'd, you'd solve all these problems at a stroke. Do you have any strategies for giving up? Yes. Yeah. The, the next time you, you feel you want to take some heroin... Yes? Don't. <laughs> right. And, and then, every subsequent time you feel like you want to take some heroin... Yes? Still don't. <laughs> Can you maybe recommend a phased withdrawal using some kind of opiate substitute? Yes. Oh, great. If by phased you mean sudden, and by (laughs) opiate substitute you mean nothing at all. You you mean just um, stop Stop taking taking heroin. heroin. That's it. So the only advice you have is stop taking heroin. I don't know what else to say. It's it's like really bad for you. (laughs) But it's... It's so difficult. It's a, it's a physical addiction. Tell me about it. You, you know, uh, when you're having a dinner party and... Uh, well, no, you, you probably don't anymore. But um, <laughs> quite often when we've got friends around, my wife buys crisps, uh, posh ones like kettle chips, and uh, puts them in a bowl on the coffee table to have as nibbles. Well, I love crisps, and I could quite easily eat the lot. So after a few, I have to say to myself, no, don't have any more, you'll spoil your dinner. You see, heroin is, is like your crisps. But, but instead of spoiling your dinner, you've ruined your whole life. Uh-huh. Ah, sorry, sorry. Guilty as charged. <laughs> All that talk about crisps made me feel like some. Must be the same for you and heroin. Mentioning heroin all the time must really make you feel like some heroin. Yeah. Heroin. <laughs> Funny word, isn't it? Heroin. 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 Sounds like heroin with an E on the end, but it's heroin without one. Heroin. Crisp? No, thanks. Yeah, probably best. They're quite Moorish. As we get into the second half of the programme, I'm recommending something a little sweeter. The 2005 Chateau Giro Sauterne has apricot and honeycomb notes, which will really complement the punning and wordplay in the sketches. But for those who enjoy sound effects, you really can't do better than a 2007 Paul Cluvet Noble Late Harvest Visor Riesling from the apple-growing area of Elgin on the Western Cape. Enjoy. 
Welcome back to the second half of tonight's prom, featuring the BBC Philharmonic Orchestra. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by the conductor of tonight's concert, Vernon Valgado. Uh, Vernon, congratulations on the Wagner and the Tchaikovsky in the first half. <laughs> they were really loud. Um, <laughs> tell us a bit about the highlight of the show tonight, Hayden's 45th Symphony in F, hashtag minor. <laughs> Hashtag, uh, yes, the, the, the Farewell Symphony, a, a perennial favourite for audiences. Hayden was a bit ahead of his time, wasn't he, writing a piece with hashtags in? Right, yes, those um, hashtags, like, like in F, hashtag minor, are, are the symbols we use to help the musicians know what, what, what to do in, in the piece. Well, I looked at some of the instructions the violin people have in front of them, and it looks like there's quite a lot of hashtagging they have to do. Um, does the use of phones in a piece like this distract the band? N no, well, it's... Um, perhaps, perhaps I should explain that there are no phones in the... Uh, look, look you're, you're, you're right in, in one respect about Hayden... Hayden or ha or Haydn, as as he liked to pronounce. He was he was um, very ahead of his time. His expansion of sonata form paved the way for Beethoven, for example. Oh, was he the blind one? I, th I think you're thinking of Delius. No, never heard of him. Uh, do you think Hayden would have used phones in his music if he'd been alive today? Uh, it's, 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 oh dear, um, I'm I'm so sorry. There, there was a point about thirty seconds back when I, when I could have firmly but politely got this interview back on the rails, but I. I erred on the side of good manners and let that vital opportunity slip. And now I seem to have lost control of it altogether, which is rather awkward because I'm the expert and you're not. And yet I seem to look like I'm out of my depth and you seem to be in charge, which can't be right. And is the piece fast or slow? Well, it starts allegro. Look, oh God, help me. I, I see it now. This is all my fault. Wow, you're crying. I did this. It was me. I, w I want to say to my peers, my colleagues, my wife and children, I'm so sorry. I didn't know it would lead to this. But, but I realise how this started now. It was me. I came up with the idea of the, the Doctor Who prom. Oh, I like that one, especially the Daleks. I, I didn't realise. I, I didn't think that throwing one populist crumb to the pigeons would lead to this grotesque charade. To, to me at the proms, talking to someone from... Where on earth do you come from? Blue Peter? Atomic Kitten. Oh. I, I should have seen the signs when I was the only one on the steering committee to veto the idea of throwing out anyone who claps between movements. I should have known then that I was heading to the dark side. How will I look the Royal Academy in the eye again? There goes that traitor, they say. There goes Judas Velgado, the man who turned the proms over to Hoi Polloi and twisted what was once a glorious private elitist festival, our festival, into a disgusting commercial success. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so ashamed. All in the name of getting a few more wobbling bums on uncomfortable seats. I bet even the seats have changed. I bet they've got holders for your bucket of rubbish drink. Oh, God, it's all, all ruined. Blimey. Well, will you still be waving at the band or are you feeling too sad now? <laughs> I... 
I'll be waving at the band. <laughs> Darkness. My window offers only a starless murk seeping into my cell. I hate nothing but my own blood pounding in my ears. Then, in the corner, scrabbling, crouching in the corner, unseen. In the corner, something hungers. He has come! No, the eyes! Older than anything I have known, yes! The eyes! Closer, yes, do not stop! <laughs> A round of applause there for Milnesh the Tinsmith. Thank you, thank you. Well, so nearly at the end of the very first open mic night here at the Little Inn <laughs> at Drexholden, in the shadow of the castle whose name we dare not speak. And, hello, join us, come in. Hello? Are they, no? They're not, okay. Well, please welcome now to the stage, Greta the Gypsy. Hello, he hello, hello. Uh, are you all having a good time? So, my name is Greta, and yes, as you have probably guessed, I am a gypsy. <laughs> I, can, I can see you see everyone now going, oh, no, she will steal my children. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, I will not steal your children. I will steal your children. No, I won't. So... No, because... Yeah, uh... Um... Uh, uh, so, I um, forget what I will say. No, yes, no. Uh, because there's a lot of misconception about gypsies, isn't there? Dance! Uh, uh, gypsy, gypsy dance! Gypsy dance! Gypsy dance! Please, gypsy please, dance! Please, gentlemen, both of you, please. This poor woman is not here for your entertainment. <laughs> Uh, hello, sir, you in front. What is your name, darling? Why? <laughs> she will curse you! Burn her! Burn the gypsy! Burn her! Burn, Burn her! her! Burn her! No, count people, please, no! Let me speak! We have not yet done the joke competition. Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Judging by applause. Remember, winner receives a meal for two at Udo's Ditch of Goats. First entry. What is a vampire's favorite breakfast? English. I cannot, I cannot read this. English coffin. Muffin. English coffin muffin. Anyone? No. Not so popular. Okay, next. The, the other entry. What is a vampire's favorite actress? Neck. Hole Kidman. Neck. Oh, Neck Hole Kidman. That, that is really good. We have a winner, and it's Greta the Gypsy! Cheap Spurner! Hello again. Now, as we approach the end of the programme, it's time for a digestif. So, oh, oh and by, by the way, I'd hate you to think that you had to drink three or four bottles of wine during an episode of that Michelin Web Sound. We just think you'll enjoy the programme even more if you do. 
So, uh, yes, why not round off the evening's comedy with a Noval 20-year-old tawny port, wonderfully mellow with toffee brazils and hazelnuts that linger forever, or, or alternatively, a Tempani cider brandy from Somerset, the, the friendly cousin of Calvados, if you will. Or even a generous peaty slug of 12-year-old Kale Isla single malt. That should see you through. Don't you sometimes feel weighed down with all the little worries of life? I know I used to. But that was before I discovered a way to consolidate all my existing worries into one manageable sense of sheer existential terror. It used to be difficult for me to focus with my diverse, diffuse and often maddeningly nebulous fears occupying my time. I used to worry about crime, global warming, what my colleagues thought of me, getting cancer, falling house prices, cultural decline, never finding love, rising house prices, lack of social cohesion and not having sufficient pension provision. Then I talked to thehorrortheHorror.com. <laughs> And they showed me the bleak truth at the heart of the universe. Now I spend one day a month locked in a box screaming. And the rest of the time, well, everything else just pales into insignificance. If you cannot cope with the bleak truth at the heart of the universe, your sanity may be at risk. After 45 minutes, he was eventually tranquilised by keepers. Zoo staff say they have no idea how the education secretary gained access to the enclosure, but fear that damage to the nest may be irreparable. And now over to Helen for a look at the weather. Thanks, Matthew. Well, the good news is that thanks to a lovely band of high pressure, uh, this spell of fine, sunny weather is going to continue for the rest of the week, with the southwest enjoying temperatures as high as 32. So do slap on the sun cream. Thanks, Helen. Sounds like a great week for all of us. Or is it? With me is Mike Lesney from the Met Office. Mike, you don't like sunshine. What do you make of what Helen's just said? Well, I don't think we should take these kind of statements on trust. It's not enough to say the weather is fine when it plainly isn't. I, like many people, prefer rain. I'm sure if you're a rain enthusiast in the southwest, say, you're a Taunton snail or a peony on the verge of the M5, enjoying this unbearable weather is the last thing you'll be doing. And the high pressure? Don't see what's so lovely about high pressure. Ask a student doctor or someone deactivating an IED. Helen, you've heard what Mike said. The weather, far from fine. Well, with respect, I imagine Mike's views are not shared by the majority of the country who do like a bit of sunshine. I think Mike might be representing a very small slice of opinion. Helen, you know we can't be seen to be giving undue prominence to any one standpoint. Oh, but that's farcical. Not all issues are polarised like that. You may be right. To that end, I'm joined down the line by Susan Kelman of Fox News. Susan, surely balance in reporting is vital. Uh, I simply can't agree. People want information, sure, but they want their values reflected as well. So uh, it's impossible not to display editorial bias. We might as well embrace it and be open about our selection. Fascinating difference of opinion there, Susan. <laughs> at which point I'd like to bring in Robert Grant, who thinks it isn't fascinating at all. Robert. Robin. Sorry? It's Robin Grant. Sorry, Robin Grant. It says Robert on my notes. No, it doesn't. I think it does. I like to think I know my own name. That is just your opinion, so I can't let it go unchallenged. <laughs> Robert. Robin. Robert. On the other hand, I may need new glasses. Of course, if you're an optician and you think I don't need new glasses, please text in. We'd love to hear your opinion. I wouldn't. This is terrific radio. Really terrific. And do tweet in if you think it isn't. <laughs> Now, The Archers is coming up next, and I'm actually recommending two three-litre bottles of White Lightning. Um, they're about £3.50 a bottle, and you should get as much down you as you can as quickly as possible. Then that should make things a little more bearable.
Bart Mitchell and Webb Sound starred David Mitchell and Robert Webb, Olivia Coleman and James Bartman. It was written by David Mitchell and Robert Webb, Eddie Robson, Simon Kane, Andrew Viner, Toby Davis, Joel Morrison, Jason Hazley. It was produced by Gareth Edwards. Thank you.